On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we preview Kansas vs. TCU. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Mondays through Fridays from 3 to 6 o'clock on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we preview the KUTCU game. We get to our bet online segment of the week. Obviously, this is a special game day episode coming out, depending when you listen to it, either your late Friday night, early Saturday morning, depending on what you consider that, or hopefully before the game to get you ready for KUTCU, maybe before game day, maybe, you know, kind of during or whatnot. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. So KU takes on TCU, obviously game day in town. It's going to be vibing. It's going to be a scene out in Lawrence, it's going to be a beautiful addition of game day, whether you're watching at home, whether you're going to go out to the event yourself. And I would imagine we're going to get an awesome crowd in attendance for KU. It already sold out. I think it sold out on Wednesday. The past two weeks when it was sold out as well, I don't think it was officially announced till like Friday. So uh, people are chomping at the bit to go out to KU, and I'm sure the buzz will help KU in this game. But it's not going to be everything because they're going to need to play really well to beat a really good TCU team. TCU comes in at 4-0. They're ranked just like Kansas in the top 20 right now, and they have been absolutely elite on the offensive side of the ball. They've been pretty good on defense too, but the offensive side of the ball is what has kind of carried them so far. And every kind of number you look at early in the season right now, you might see, you know, I don't know, number one in the country in yards per play, number two in the country in points per game, number two in the country in yards per game, one of the top offenses in explosive plays and 30-yard play. All these different numbers you look at, like TCU is just popping up at the tops of these leaderboards with what they do well, and they just do a little bit of everything. They've been really efficient passing the ball. Max Duggan has been unbelievable so far. They're averaging over seven yards per carry as an offense, and I think – that's kind of the thing here. They just do everything well on offense. This isn't like an air raid team that just throws the ball, or this isn't just a running team that can't really throw it. So they've ran for 180 or more yards in every game so far this season, including over 200 twice, and they ran for over 300 yards against Oklahoma. They ran for like 300 against KU last year. Different team and everything but they're probably even better running the ball, which is crazy, too, because they lost Zach Evans, this former five-star running back, went to the transfer portal, didn't play a ton for them last year because he was dealing with some injury stuff, but they lost him, and they've been even better running the football. Their lowest yards per carry of a game this season is 4.9 yards per carry. So pretty much every game you just pencil them in for five yards per carry. KU's done a good job on this end of things so far this season, can they pick that up against what has been the best offense that they have played and maybe will play all of this season coming up this Saturday? Uh, TCU had just 138 yards passing against Colorado. That was probably more of a choice because they could do whatever they wanted on the ground, and Colorado was not good, and it wasn't really a game. But here's what TCU has done since passing the ball. 450 in the air, 296, 307. So again, they do everything well. They run the ball, they pass the ball, they don't turn the ball over. They have just one turnover all season long through four games. It was a fumble in their second game of the season. They pass block well. 
They have a top 20 grade in pass blocking in the country on Pro Football Focus. They run block well. They're not elite at run blocking so far this season. Pro Football Focus only has them kind of top 50, but I think the numbers would indicate when you're running for you know, 200 yards, basically a game, seven yards a carry. Like, yes, a lot of that could be the running backs playing really well or scheme design things or Max Duggan able to scramble and find openings or misdirection. But a lot of that's on the offensive line as well. They have good skill talent all over the board. That's been the biggest, you know, difference when TCU's had some of their best years over the last decade or so or, or in the Big 12. When they've had those really good receivers on the outside, like multiple guys they can go to, Quentin Johnson, who's probably going to be a first-round pick, kind of leads them on the outside, but they have a lot of explosive players. Really, everybody who touches the ball for them in terms of skill talent has the ability to kind of take it the distance. And then they do have a great offensive coach and a great offensive scheme. Sonny Dykes, who didn't have a ton of success at Cal, but certainly did on the offensive side of the ball and helped produce Jared Goff and whatnot over there at Cal, he you know, was with SMU for a few years when they were just putting up huge points. Shane Bouchelle, now one of the Chiefs' backup quarterbacks, is uh, kind of parlayed that success into his time with Kansas City now and now coming over to TCU. I mean, he was the former, I believe, offensive coordinator there when they had a really good offense. So he's clearly developed one of the best and, and has been known as one of the better, I guess, uh, air raid type of schemes, if I believe that is what they call it. And... That is going to be a gigantic challenge for the defense on its own. We're seeing the KU defense come off its best performance of the year. Was that turning a corner? If it was, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that they're going to have a really good performance this week just because the TCU offense is so good. But the thing that you know maybe is more surprising about this TCU team is the fact that they were really good on offense a season ago. Like They weren't this good, but they were still good. So for them to make a jump with a lot of players coming back and Sonny Dykes taking over at the scheme, it's not necessarily a huge shock that they were going to improve. The defense, to me, is, is kind of the shock here because this was a TCU defense that was really bad last year. And Sonny Dykes has not had like great defenses in his time at SMU. Right now, like if you look at the college football power index, this is the top 25 defense by defensive efficiency. In certain ways, TCU has played really well on that end this season. You hold Oklahoma to 24 points. Your first two games, you stifle Colorado and Tarleton State, which I don't know how much you want to say about that. The only team that's been able to really put up consistent points against them was SMU, but even then, that was a game where SMU got down early in that game, and they're just kind of crawling back as that game goes on. So, so far, they've kind of passed every test to a certain extent and just how solid they've been. They've been great at securing tackles. Um, this is a team that has a lot of speed on that end of the field, and they're trying to run kind of a similar scheme to what Iowa State is doing in terms of, hey, we're going to limit you to big plays, we're going to kind of swarm to the football, and when you have as much team speed as TCU does, like the idea there has kind of been, hey, let's simplify it, let's just run to the ball, play fast, play physical, try to get some turnovers and whatnot, and so far that has been working for them. I don't know if that's helpful against a team like Kansas when you're going to run this kind of spread triple option. Like, is it better to just be like, hey, we're not really thinking, we're just going, we're making plays, we're using our speed? Or does that hurt you? Because against a team like Kansas, is it going to be more about how you're able to process and think? And is that why Iowa State did well? I don't know the answer to that. You could make the case to me kind of one way or another. 
I would imagine this is going to be a high-scoring game. In fact, that's kind of what the the books think. Um, Bet Online has it as a 69-point over-under, so you could imagine that a lot of points are going to be scored, and that's the expectation. And to be completely honest, I'm tempted to even take the over on that spread on that uh, over-under of 69 points because I guess first of all, like for Kansas, if you think they're going to win, what's the target score that you think they need to hit to score? Even if the KU defense plays a good game, with as good as TCU's offense has been, TCU could put up 31, 35 points in this game. I think this very much is a game where KU, if they're going to win it, the offense might have to put up 40 or more points. Now, I think they could get it done. Maybe it is a lower scoring than we expect. Maybe the uh, you have a possession game. Like We do know that KU is multiple on offense, and we've seen times where they run fast. We've seen times they run normal, and we have seen times where they run possession games. Like maybe this is a game that you approach it similar to how you did the Oklahoma game last year where you had like a nine-and-a-half-minute drive, and you do play for possession to keep your defense rested and to keep that TCU explosive offense off the field. So maybe there is a case to be made that it'll just be less possessions and KU plays that way and the score is 31-28. to But I think you feel most comfortable if they can score in the mid to high 30s, maybe even in the 40s, maybe even more if KU wants to win this game, which means the offense has to bounce back for KU. But if the defense plays anything like they did last week, I think you're going to be feeling good about how uh, this one goes because of the fact that TCU hasn't really been tested that much in a game this season. In just a moment, we are going to get on to our matchups of the game. We have our bet online segment coming as well. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football this season. It's super easy to sign up. You just download the Underdog Fantasy app. You can open it up. It has a super easy interface, and you can easily read everything and see everything and put together either drafts that you want to do. You can do pick'ems. There's a bunch of college football pick'ems. So if you're interested in taking the over-under on yards for different players, and once you take uh, two different picks, it's going to work your odds to three to one of what you want to risk. Once you take three picks, six to one. Once you take four picks, 10 to one. And once you take five picks, you can get 20 to one odds on something. You can bet as low as a dollar if you want on something like this. And for instance, you can bet on you know, NFL games, college football games, MLB games. Like right now, if you want to get in on the action for some NFL action on Sunday, you have Cincinnati taking on Baltimore on Sunday Night Football. Well, how about taking Jamar Chase higher than 71.5 receiving yards? Joe Burrow has diced up that Baltimore defense. So how about taking him higher than 275.5 passing yards? Boom, that's two picks right there. You can get three to one odds. That's just an example right away. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team, not just your team, and decide if they'll finish higher or lower. One of the easiest fantasy-to-play games out there. You can win hold cold hard cash in a single game. Sign up with promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store and Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Matchups of the game. We're going to start structuring this a little bit more. I've just been tossing out matchups. We're going to start having a first down, second down, third down, fourth down. I know technically you would say, yeah, fourth down is actually the most important if you get to it, but we're going to go it in order. I mean, technically they're all important, but our first down is going to be what we find to be most important. First down is going to be the KU defensive line versus the TCU offensive line. The KU defensive line was awesome last week against Iowa State. I would argue that was their best game of the season. 
You could say they played well against Houston. They put up numbers, and they obviously dominated against Tennessee Tech. But given the opponent, given how it meant to the game, I think that would be the one that would stick out. And it was really everybody. Sam Burt leads the team with one and a half sacks. You have Lonnie Phelps coming in with a sack and making multiple QB hurries. Uh, Jeremy Robinson and Malcolm Lee making plays as well, getting pressure, causing chaos. Both Caleb's, Caleb Taylor, Caleb Sampson, like, Everybody that played for KU on that defensive line seemed to have an impact on kind of stifling that Iowa State offense in that game. Can you carry that over against TCU offensive line that has been really good at pass blocking and has helped TCU average over seven yards per carry? And when you look at this explosive set of skill players TCU has, it's really tough if you let them get to that second level. So a lot is on the defensive line to basically allow the linebackers to run free and make that tackle on the first opportunity because otherwise if they do get to that second level a lot of times it's gone or a lot of times it's a 20 or 30 yard play for TCU so who can win the battle of the trenches I I know a lot of skilled players and you have the quarterback matchup here I mean you could argue this is maybe the best quarterback matchup in the Big 12 you could have right now even though it's not like you know two guys who oh it's Oklahoma versus Texas right like efficiency wise these have been kind of the two best so far But I do think this game will be decided in the trenches with that KU defensive line against the TCU offensive line. And if you do want to switch it on the other end, like KU continuing to keep things clean on their offensive end as well. But that is our uh, first down. Second down, Jalen Daniels and Andy Kotelnicki versus the scheme of the TCU defense. So they run similar stuff to what Iowa State did. And obviously things didn't go super well for KU last week. It was kind of a tale of two halves. KU scored 14 in the first half. Could have been 17 if they made a field goal. Maybe more if they go for it and score a touchdown on that drive. And they didn't score in the second half. And they averaged like six and a half yards per play in the first half. Second half, it just dipped off. So there is cause or or reason to be optimistic that it was just kind of a bad half for KU and that they'll bounce back this week. And if you think Jalen Daniels and Andy Kotelnicki are as good as, as I do, I There's no reason to believe they don't bounce back because if you're a good player, you have downs. Like think about times where, you know, Patrick Mahomes has had a bad game or or the offense has had a bad game for the Chiefs. Typically bounces back, right? You had a bad game against the Colts. Okay, you put up over 40 on Tampa Bay the next week. Jalen Daniels and Andy Kotelnicki to me are both very good at what they do, so I expect to bounce back. But if there is any questions about what you can do against this scheme, that's going to be the key. Now, the good news is you can use that Iowa State game as almost like practice and you get extra teaching tools because it's not just we're watching tape on this and trying to correct things it's we're watching tape and trying to correct things against a similar defense to what we're going to be playing this week I think there's more speed for TCU there's probably more fundamentally soundness in the Iowa State defense if that makes sense so it's kind of different to a certain standpoint and obviously not everything's going to be the exact same but how much Have they learned? Where is the learning curve? How much have they figured out from one week to the next is obviously going to be important. Third down, TCU's big plays against KU's big play prevention. The KU defense, they've been, you know, you look at some of the stats, like they're basically middle of the pack in the country in in certain regards right now. If they keep playing like they did against Iowa State, obviously that's turning the corner and the arrow is pointing up. But they've just been kind of an average defense The one thing that they have done exceptionally well so far is prevent big plays. And I think that's by design. I think that's part of the idea of what 
KU wanted to do with the defense with Brian Borland when he first came in. And so that isn't something where it's just like luck. Like, I do think that is very much intended to be the case. And I think that it's something that gives you a lot of, I guess, confidence in a game like this that even if you don't think like West Virginia or Houston or some of these teams are like great teams, Houston does have the ability to hit big plays, right? With Tank Dell as as their stud receiver and this kind of air raid offense with Dana Holgerson, which that's kind of been a staple of, of his offenses. Or with West Virginia, you know, with some of their uh, receivers on the outside and, and running backs, they hit big plays all the time. And they did actually hit some big plays on KU. Like, that was kind of the one exception. But even then, those big plays they gave up to West Virginia, I think it was less about, like, West Virginia making a play is more about Kansas just messing something up, like a DB falling down, something like that, right? So I think that you could make the argument, because TCU has been so good at big plays. Like, they're up with everyone in the country in terms of most plays with 30 or more yards this season. I think it's like them and Tennessee, and TCU has played one less game than, like, most other teams. They have four to, like, everybody else's five. So they've been ultra-impressive there. If KU can win this battle and prevent the big plays... I mean, how many, if you watch that KU-TCU game, how many big plays did TCU have that broke open the game, and how many of them were just Oklahoma messing up? So if KU can prevent that, not only does it take away one of TCU's biggest strengths and help KU win just because giving up big plays is, is obviously bad, it makes you wonder, because TCU hasn't really been stressed in terms of having to inch their way down the field, having to have these long drives successively and sustained drives. Max Duggan's been so good, but over the course of his career, and the reason he didn't win the initial starting quarterback job, which he took over and has kind of ran with it, is because he's had some inconsistencies. He's had some trouble with maybe short passing and missing guys or throwing interceptions or whatnot to where if you can make them drag out long plays, long drives, maybe those inconsistencies show up again for Max Duggan and the TCU offense, and you make it more difficult for them. If KU can prevent big plays, I think they win the game. But if TCU is able to do what they do consistently, then they win the game. Like, that honestly probably could have been first down. Okay, fourth down, though. The last one, college game day hyped crowd for TCU, uh, for the game for KU against TCU, I should say. How much of an impact are they going to make? Are we going to get a couple delay of games, false starts? Is it going to lead to extra energy and hype? I think it's made a real impact for KU the last two weeks. Let's see if it does it again. And I'm excited because the fan sport is really having an impact for KU football right now. All right, in just a moment, we're going to get into our bet online segment of the week. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Jayhawks. KU is up to 300 to 1 odds. Did you know that to make the playoff? That sounds still super high based on where they are, but they opened the season at a thousand to one on Bet Online. So if you want, you can get them at three hundred to one odds. Uh, meanwhile, they do have the odds out for Big Twelve updated on Bet Online. KU's up to eight to one to win the Big Twelve. They opened the season at three hundred to one. <laughs> Oklahoma, by the way, is twenty five to one. So Oklahoma is three times less likely. To win the Big 12 at this point than Kansas is. Think about that. And by the way, the 8-1 odds, it places Kansas 6th among Big 12 teams. And also, given that Oklahoma note, does that mean Kansas is going to be favored in Norman next week? Obviously, it'll partially depend what happens this week. If Oklahoma beats Texas and Kansas loses to TCU, Oklahoma will be favored. They're playing at home. If Kansas beats TCU and Oklahoma loses to Texas, I think Kansas will be favored in that game, though. Anything in between... 
I don't know. It'll be close. But I don't think the line's going to be that big either way, regardless of what happens, which is certainly wild going down to Norman there and feels like a winnable game now for KU. Not saying, again, that they will win or will be favored, but it is a winnable game, which is interesting. But I'll say this. If you were interested in betting on KU to win the Big 12 at 8-1, to I do see the the appeal there to the standpoint of, okay, what if they could get to like 9-3, and three, and they have the right conference record, the right tiebreakers, they make it in the Big 12 title, and they pull kind of the upset over maybe the 11-1 and one or 10-2 and two team. Are you better off just taking the college football playoff odds and being like, well, but what if they get to 11-1 and one and win the Big 12 and make the playoff? I don't know. I don't know. But 301 odds, that actually kind of spices it up. It's hard for me to want to take the Big 12 one because we've seen so much lower odds really over the course of the season. Also, last thing here for Bet Online before we get to just the the game, Jalen Daniels is 40 to 1 to win Heisman, down from 28 to 1 last week because he had kind of the down game against Iowa State. That would be the time to make the bet. I think that would be a good time. Like obviously if you would have got him before the season when I don't even know if he was on the board um or at different times earlier when maybe it was like 60 to 1, more power to you. But this is the time maybe to to get back on it because the prices have just been rising so much. Now at 40 to 1 feels like a good price because if Kansas at 5 and 0, like all Heisman winners have won nine or more games. If Kansas goes 9 and 3, they're going to have the story on their side over an Ohio State going 12 and 0. They just are. Now, for instance, CJ Stroud at Ohio State probably going to put up even bigger numbers, but does that narrative the story of Kansas being the bounce back help in that regard i think it very well could like rg3 wanted at nine and three so if kansas can go four and three in the next seven that puts this very much in play so i think 40 to one is a good number there for Jalen daniels as far as the game lines over at bet online kansas at plus six and a half the over under at 69 i think i'd be leaning over just barely i mean that's so many points but 38 35 gets you there 42 31 42 35 you're in that vicinity and that's kind of what i think the score type of the game is going to be the only exception would be if ku does opt to play a possession game which does kind of worry me a bit in the back of my mind if you're taking the over there because you know they are multiple and they could just come out and do that and it wouldn't shock me but i'm gonna lean in with the idea that both offenses have a big game here and we like the over as far as the points honestly i'm not touching it i don't have a great read one way or another on that end of things because if ku's offense carries over what they did against iowa state and it's kind of a struggle against what has been a good tcu defense so far though kind of untested then TCU probably going to win by double digits. But if KU does limit the big plays of TCU, I think KU wins the game. So, I don't know. I, you might be better off just betting Moneyline, to be honest, and going for the extra odds, the juice, over 2-1 to one odds for KU to win Moneyline and just hoping they win because, I don't know, if it, it almost feels like to me like TCU, if they win, could win by 10-14, to 14, but if KU wins, they just win. You know what I mean? Like if it's going KU's way, they just win the game. So uh, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Have fun at the game. Enjoy whether you're watching, whether you're going out. Coming up on Monday's show, we'll recap whatever happens in the KUTCU game. If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about or want to follow along on the action, you can reach out at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on Rock Chalk Sports Talk later next week as well. Adios.